Hello once again, Pastor Brown from Akron Lions Fellowship Church here in Akron, Ohio. Uh, just glad to have a few moments to speak to you. Today's been a busy day. We had a Brown family reunion uh, of the uh, 14 uh, siblings, the 13 siblings of my family, their children and so forth. And um, there's five of us left. And uh, we just had a great time out at the park earlier today. And then to uh, one of our nephew's wedding today, uh, just getting in not too long ago from that wedding. And just a wonderful Christian wedding. Nothing out of order. I mean, it was done in a proper way that would be pleasing unto God. And I just praise God for this young couple. And I pray that this couple would just be a blessing to the Lord. They love the Lord. And uh, that is such a blessing to see young people wanting to honor God even in marriage. So I just praise God for Randall and Sharon, um, Sarah, that they're just going to be excellent Christians. And God is going to use them greatly. Well, he's already using them great, greatly in the positions that they're in. And uh, they're in some um, up the up positions. And, uh, and I just praise God for that. So uh, just continue to pray for this young couple as they unite today, uh, as they have united today in marriage, that they would be an example of what it is when people honor the Lord, what God is able to do. And we praise God for that. Well, we want to continue on with this subject, <clears throat> the church, because today in church, we're all over the place. And uh, we don't really know what the church really is or what the church should really stand for or what kind of work the church should do. And uh, we want to be able to look at some of that today. So the work of the church, the work of the church, what is that? And uh, what is the church supposed to be doing? Uh, we come into church and it's more like some type of social club than some place where we are learning and where life is being transformed. Uh, and that's what takes place in church, the transformation of an individual's life from the inside out. Uh, the person who is saved now should begin to see his life transformed. He doesn't live like he used to live or she doesn't live the way they used to live. But there is something different about them. They are new creatures in Christ Jesus and yet the work is just beginning. And oftentimes we miss that at church because once you say that you're saved, it's as though, boy, the work's all done. No, the work is just beginning. And it takes place in the church. So let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness unto us. Thank you for being the merciful God you are. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for working in our lives. May we be pleasing unto thee, Lord. And Father, forgive us of our sins. We are still yet, Lord, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Thank you for the grace that you extend to us. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness you extend to us. Thank you, Lord, for the mercy that is extended to us. Thank you, Lord, that you are justifying us in your sight, that we might be a people that will honor thee. And Lord, would you just minister to us and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The church has a role to play. And many people today are neglecting church purposely. There's no heart, there's no desire to really be in church. And you have to ask yourself, do they really love the Lord? Now, you may have heard me say this before, and you're going to hear me say it again, most likely, too, while we're on this subject. You cannot separate Jesus Christ and his church. He died for his church. He shed his blood for the church. And he took on the position as being the head of the church. Again, I want to clarify, these bodies are not the church. These bodies are the temple of God. And it's where God dwells. The church is the coming together of those who have been called out of darkness, out of the world, into the marvelous light of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The church comes together in order to perform the work that God directs us to do. The work that Jesus Christ said we would do. And we're the ones that have to carry on that work. And yes, sometimes it can be very difficult in the day in which we're living to find ourselves really doing the work that God wants us to do. But he does want us to do it. And we have to be willing to do it. And we have to go at it. It's not easy. It is a very tough world that we live in. And Satan has a hold on it so tight that the only one who can break that hold, that bondage, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here that we might do that work. And sometimes it can be very difficult. In Matthew chapter 23, we hit this before, so we won't belabor it, but I want to just refresh your mind. And he's speaking to the Pharisees in Matthew 23 and verse 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected, and that's the word that we need to understand, you have neglected, and the question we have to ask, is the church neglecting certain work? Is the church backing off of situations, stating, well, this is what the world will do? And we need to understand, when we leave something to the world, we need to understand, it is Satan that's in charge. It's Satan that is in charge. He is, and he does continue to be the prince of this world. He is the God of this world. And we need to understand, he's going to teach his program. He's going to teach his view of life. 
And he says, but you have neglected. And what you and I have to figure out as the church today, what is it that we are neglecting that the church could do? And I know we call ourselves the body of Christ. Just think for a moment. If the church would function as the church, as scripture states that it should function, what could we do in this world? Rather than each one of us being our own little kingdom, what would happen if the church would really mature and be the church? But that doesn't stop every church from taking on the responsibility of performing and doing within the locality and the neighborhood that it's in. Yes, we could do a greater work if somehow all these churches could connect and really be of one mind. It would just turn this world upside down. But again, I want to say to you, it does not negate the responsibility or remove the responsibility that every local church has in reaching out into its community and doing what would be considered the will of God within that community. What we are frightened to do is to put our money and our talents and our work into the lives of people. And that has to happen. We have to be willing to sacrifice for people. And I understand that's a tough role because people are not responding. They're not appreciative. They're not thankful. Uh, You can help people today and boy there's never a thank you there's never any uh, showing of appreciation of what you've done and sometimes there's very little change but they want you to keep helping them keep doing for them and that's where the church is at today we can't turn our back on that yes the work is hard the work is difficult the work is more demanding today with our time and our talents and our efforts than ever before. He says, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. How many of our churches are really after justice and being out there on the front lines when it comes to that, or at least having a word to speak to people about What is real justice? And helping people to understand that. Justice is not vengeance. Justice is setting things right. Setting things right. And that's what we want to be able to do. And and to help people understand that mercy, that God has been merciful to you. It could have been far worse. And then to help them to gather faithfulness. To be faithful. Faithfulness is something that has to be taught, has to be caught by the people. And that people want to be faithful towards something. Another word we may use is just loyalty. Loyalty. Loyalty is out the door today. 
There's nobody is really loyal much today. And when you find that, you ought to thank God for it. And I thank God for our people at our church. And some of them are very loyal and faithful to it. But we need more. Need more. Every church needs more of its people being faithful to the word and faithful to the Lord. Now, we also want to understand what Paul is saying, if possible, over in Acts chapter 20. Because Paul makes a very important statement that somehow we have to grab hold of. The church has to come to a point that we understand we have a responsibility not just to select what we want to select out of the scripture and teach it, but we got to teach this whole Bible. Uh, we got to teach everything that Jesus said. We got to teach all the epistles. We have to teach the Old Testament because from the Old Testament, God said he's given it to us for our learning. Our people have to learn it. Not so much do we live under the rules of the Old Testament, but there are certain areas of life behavior that we need to pick up from the Old Testament because that doesn't change. The sacrificial laws and all that stuff, yes, they're done away with. Why? Jesus Christ was our sacrificial lamb. He took care of all that. But when it comes to our conduct, our behavior, our faith in our God, all that still stands. All that still stands today. And sometimes we missed it. And we want to hear what Paul says in Acts 20 and verse 27. And he's talking to the elders from Ephesus. And he's getting ready to leave them, but uh, he he's challenging them with some things. And I want us to look at it just for a moment and ask this question, can we be challenged by it? Look what he says starting in verse 22. We're going to jump to just verse 27, but we're going back up to verse 22. And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. I like that, compelled by the Spirit. The church must be compelled by the Spirit, not just the individual. But somehow the church itself has to be compelled by the Holy Spirit towards the work or the task that God wants that church to perform. And he said, he was compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. And there's the church right there even. When we take on a task of God, we don't know what's going to happen to us. We don't know how much money we're going to lose. We don't know how many people we're going to affect. We don't know what members will be against it, for it, whatever. It just causes all kind of issues when the church really states out to do something other than what is just directly going to affect the church. But it, it affects the unbeliever. It affects the community. It affects people who can almost care less about God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where we all were at at one point. We didn't grow up in a church. We were not birthed in the church. 
And many of us did not find Christ until years later in our life. But the church has the responsibility of being in the community in some way, in some way in which we touch the lives of people. And that doesn't mean there will be a quick turnaround of the people. It means that we're doing what we're supposed to do. And we leave the results to the Holy Spirit. We leave the results in God's hands. He's the one that has to touch the hearts of men and women. We are the witness. We are the ones who show the kindness of God to a community that doesn't know God. We're the one who expresses the love of God into the life of people who do not know him. And he says, And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit wants me. The Holy Spirit warns me, excuse me, the Holy Spirit, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Prison and hardships. When you elect to do the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ collectively within the body of Christ, Satan is not going to just stand by and watch you do it. Satan has these fallen angels along with him that are called demons. And they're going to attack mercifully. They're going to come at the church. They're going to stir up all kinds of trouble. They're going to do all that they can do to settle you back into your building, take a seat in your building, and just do nothing. And that's where the church is just about has positioned itself within its four walls like a fort and being safe. We have to risk. We have to step out. We have to go out and face the enemy on his territory. And we have to allow people to hear this message that maybe have never heard it before. And Paul says, what faces me is prison. Who wants to be in prison? Hardships. Who wants to suffer hardships that are facing me? However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. What is your life worth to you? Or is it valuable to the Lord Jesus Christ? See, if your life is really valuable to you without Christ being in the center of that, it's nothing. And you'll never come to a place where you die to self or where you really give it all to Jesus. And it's so important that you be willing to surrender it all. I met a pastor today that uh, used to be part of the Hell Angels. And uh, he is up in Cleveland. And he is in the Huff, Brown, the Huff area. And uh, he is telling me the uh, hell angels sold all kind of drugs up in there. He used to be a drug dealer and so forth. And he said, 
even the person that was over their group when he didn't carry out certain orders with the hell angels, uh, they blew him and his bike up. And he said they killed our president of our charter part of the hell angels club. And he just sharing with me some hideous things that he had done in his life. And he said one time they were in there and they were separating the drugs and so forth. And one of the members or the leaders asked him to go out and pick up a young girl and, and bring them in. And he said he found this one young girl and he brought her in. And she came in and she sat down in the middle of the floor like an Indian would sit, he says. And she said... And they asked her, what do you like to get high on? And she said, Jesus. And he said, that name struck him so. He had not been free of that name. And he left the hell angels, began to preach the gospel, planted church in Medina. Just a wonderful testimony. And he says, you may not believe it, but there's power in that name. Well, I do believe it. There is power in the name of Jesus. But the brother and I, we just sat at a table here this evening, and we just had a wonderful conversation about the church and about the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying here, however I consider my life nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task. Now listen to this. The Lord Jesus has given me. What's the task? He doesn't tell us what the task really is. And oftentimes in scripture, it will mention the work or the task, but it doesn't name specifically what it is. God wants to speak to his people. He speaks to that leadership of the church. He he speaks. And when I say leadership, I'm not just talking about pastor. Those individuals who are in position that God may want to use. He speaks to people yet. And we don't have to get approval from the pastor to do a lot of things. Yes, we should be in one accord. Yes, we should be in order. Yes, there should be a chain of command. But what higher command is there when God himself directs somebody to do something for him? Do it. Do it. Just make sure it's God telling you. But do it. And he'll provide all that you have need of. The extra workers, the extra people, the funds, everything. God promotes his own program, but he also finances his own programs. Somehow he'll be there to do that. And Paul says, my life is worth nothing to me. Boy, that's where we all got to get to. I still have to get there. That my life really means nothing to me, but it's valuable to God is valuable to the Holy Spirit. They want to use me. 
but I'm the one that have to have the desire to be used. Not just doing what I want to do, but doing what God would have me to do. And he says, and I want to finish the race. And that becomes the church. A lot of churches are closing. And maybe they're closing because they're not really in the race. And I hope that Aquan Lions Fellowship, that we're in the race, will stay in the race, and whatever it takes for us to be in the race, we're willing to do it. We're willing to make the sacrifice. We're willing to pay the price to be in the race and share this wonderful gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, and complete the task. Complete the work that God gives. The Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now, in that, that opens a wide door. Because there's so many, many ways of testifying to the gospel of our God, Jesus Christ. There's just numerous ways. One way, yeah, you're feeding the poor. In the name of Jesus, you're testifying to the work of Jesus Christ. It's educating. It's helping the sick. It's attending the elderly. It's helping the boy or girl who doesn't have a father. That somehow the church starts a ministry for those who don't have that connection. And want to have that. That somehow the church is able to reach these young boys and girls. And become like a father. And men in the church are willing to do that. And see that's one of the lacks that we have in the church. Without men. It really cripples us to do a lot of the work. How many young men here in our society today who hang out on the corner might enjoy having another grown man come alongside of them and encourage them and work with them and help them because they don't have a father. And how many of us would be willing to do that? See, men are not willing to make that sacrifice. And I know, boy, work 40 hour a week and then have to go do something at the church, that becomes tough, but that's my sacrifice. That's where I don't count myself worthy to me, but worthy to God to be used by Him. And we need men, and men hear me. One day you're going to have to give an account of why you were not there. And I pray that you will Surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will say as Paul says. However I consider my life. Worth nothing. That you might serve God. That you might serve God. Not a pastor. Too many of us are stuck on this pastor thing. It is not you doing what the pastor said. And I hear a lot of men say that. That it's the pastor. It's the pa- No it's not the pastor. It's Jesus Christ you're serving. You're serving his church, not the pastor. Get the pastor out of your mind. Satan has somehow taken this word pastor. And men have come to a point they hate to hear that word pastor. 
let me share something with you. In a sense, you're a pastor. Where are you pastoring at? Your family, your home. You're the shepherd there. You're the one who's keeping watch over them. You're the one providing for them. You are, in a sense, a pastor. You are the teacher in your home. You're the pastor in your home. You're the shepherd in your home. You're the one that God is using to really teach because your children watch you and they hear you. And that's who they really need to learn from is you, the father in that home. And when they don't have a father in that home, that's where other men have to be willing to step in and be a father. Be a father. Be a dad. And help people. Teach them. Teach them. Minister to them. And he said, boy, of what? Of the Lord Jesus Christ. That I can complete the task that Christ has given unto me. And that's so important. And Paul goes on in 25. He said, now I know that none of you among whom I have going about preaching the kingdom, will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Now I want you to hear what Paul's going to state here to these elders, to these leaders within the Ephesus church and other churches that are attending this conference like. Paul says to them, I'm innocent of the blood of other men. Can the church say that? That we're really innocent today of the blood of those in our community that have had drive-by shootings. That young man not only maybe have killed some people in the community, but even has what? Destroyed his own life. We don't know those who were shot if they were Saved or not saved, we don't know. But we have a short time to really get this message out into the lives of some people. Because some people don't know if they're going to die tomorrow. And that includes me. And we have a short time to share this message, to do this work that God has set before us. And Paul says, I'm innocent of the blood of all men because the way he worked and what he declared. And then in that verse 27, he says, For I have not hesitated. Boy. Hesitated. The Holy Spirit is saying, Go and know. I hesitate. I got to wait on this. I don't understand this. I got to have more money before we can do this. I got to be a better speaker before I can do this. I got to have more strength. I got to have more people before I can do this. We hesitate. For I have not hesitated. Now listen to what he says here. To proclaim to you the whole will of God. When it comes to the things of God, we should not hesitate. If God gives a green light, 
we need to run. We need to go. And Paul simply says, the whole council. I wish he would elaborate it more on that, the whole council, so that we wouldn't have to be speculating or trying to understand if it had just been really laid out. But I think the whole council, and I want to suggest to you, is the whole life of the believer that Paul lays out before the people. That God wants to deal not only with your soul, he wants to deal with your fleshly body. And God wants to work in that manner with each and every one of us. That he wants to do this in such a way that he is dealing with us in a way that God alone will be able to get the glory and all the praise. Nobody else. Uh, go with me to First Thessalonians for a moment. And would you come with me to First Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, I want to pick up in verse 16. Be joyful always. No matter what God asked us to do. Be joyful. Whatever the task might be. Be joyful. Always. A lot of people do nothing for the Lord. But they're always praying for God to give them joy, give them peace. Give them strength. Give them this. Get busy and you'll see that God does. He really does cause you to be joyful even in the midst of your labor. And he goes on and he says, pray continually. When you're really doing the work for the Lord, you have to pray. You have to pray all the way through. When you're busy at the things of the Lord, Satan is busy trying to stop you and that brings about the prayer when you're not busy you don't have to pray because Satan's not trying to in any way stop you from doing anything why? because you're not busy for the things of the Lord you're not working at your task that God would have assigned to you you're not really working in building the kingdom of God so there's very little prayer life because Boy, we're not busy. When you get busy for the Lord, you will see that your prayer life increases because you need God doing a work, not only in you, but God interceding, God moving things out of the way, God equipping people, God bringing funds in. God's doing something. And the church has to rediscover that. God didn't ask us to sit back and save up our money and do things. That's man's way. And that's not a bad thing to do. I don't want to put that down. But God isn't waiting for us when he says to do something that we got to gather up all the money first before we do it. No. 
we step out in faith believing God is going to provide. And God himself has a way of also setting a plan out for us that leads up to that day in which we move forward also. And all that comes about through prayer. Pray continually. Then in 18 he says, Give thanks in all circumstances that as you are doing your tasks, you're doing the work, you're giving thanks because of what you're seeing God do. God is doing something in the church. God is stirring something up in your life. God is strengthening you. God is doing it. And you're just, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for providing, Lord. Thank you for the strength, Lord. Thank you for the joy in the midst of this, Lord. Thank you for the hard work, Lord. I'm sweating, Lord. It's hard. It's difficult. But, Lord, thank you. It enhances your prayer life. But look what it says here. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will. It's God's will that you really be a godly servant. And that it's the church's job to prepare you, to equip you, to be all that God wants you to be. It's the church's job to help somehow convince you that God wants to use you. It is not the church's job to make you happy. It is not the church's job to make you want to jump and shout. It is the church's job to teach you and equip you and prepare you for the work of the ministry. And he goes on, and look what God wants to do. He brings us on down into verse 23. May God himself, and only God can do this, but it's done through the church. You don't get involved in church, and you're not part of the church. Most likely this will not happen in your life. It comes by being involved in church life, with the church, with the work of the church, with what God would have you do and to perform. He says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. That when you are doing God's work, God is also setting you aside. For what purpose? For his work. He's setting your mind aside. For his work. He's setting your words aside. For his work. He's setting your temperament aside. For his work. He's changing your behavior. For what purpose? His work. He's sanctifying you. Through and through. Every part of your life. He wants to sanctify. And that's what Paul I believe is talking about. When he says. Boy, he doesn't hesitate to proclaim to you the whole will of God. The will of God is not just for you to be saved. The will of God is for you to be a great servant of the Lord. The will of God is that you show 
to a dying world the kindness of God. You show to a dying world the love of God. You show a dying world the mercy of God. You show to a dying world that God is able to take something that is dead and breathe life into it. And that God himself is able to redeem and raise up men and women. That is not about where you've been, what you've done. It's about what God can do in your life if you allow him. And he wants to sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept, what? Blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's will for you. He didn't say you go sit down somewhere. That's his will. No. There's a work. But in order for God the Holy Spirit to work in you and through you, this has to take place. This has to take place. And we have to understand that. This has to take place. Go back to Ephesians 4 just for a moment. Ephesians 4. And I want you to see see this because, again, I'm quite sure we've already hit it, but we need to hit it again just for this reason. Go uh, Ephesians 4, verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some of prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works and of service. And what we see is God himself in that work. Doing what? Sanctifying what? Us through and through. Body, soul, and spirit. We're being sanctified, set apart completely. And you and I have to come to that place that we surrender to God for that purpose. Oh, we surrender to him for that purpose, for his glory, for his praise. Now, I also want to hit two more verses here, if I may. <clears throat> and I want you to see it in Philippians 1 and verse 27. Philippians 1, 27. <clears throat> God is good to us. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. No matter what happens in life, you and I should be conducting ourselves in such a manner that Jesus Christ is being glorified and that the gospel of Christ is being heard. Whatever the task we may have, whatever the work we may do, that we conduct ourselves in such a manner that is very evident that it's God that's at work and God's involved. And that's one of the things that the church helps prepare people for. How to conduct themselves. When you're under the word of God, and you're hearing the word of God. Remember what God says is by his word. His word will go forth and will not return to him void. It's going to go out and accomplish what God so desires. 
What does God want to accomplish in your heart, in your mind? What does God want to do with the way that you think? What is it that God wants to do with you may hold important or valuable? Let God work with those things. See, uh, you may think, boy, you're the one who really provides for your family. And what you need to realize, no, God's the one who's providing for your family. You could lose everything in a matter of a week or so. You could be strict with some type of disease, some type of sickness. Then who provides? And that's the thing we have to consider. God is the one who does the providing. He provides you the health, the soundness of mind every day to go out and do the work that you do in your secular world. But he also provides you the mind and the strength to do that work also in the spiritual world that he assigns you to do. And you say, well, I don't have time for that. Brother, sister, you need to make time because it's the most important work you'll ever do. You need to make time to serve God. You want to make time to serve God. Go to Romans chapter 1 with me real quick. <clears throat> because we need to understand that this is something that God's expecting. He's expecting us to really serve Him. Listen to what Paul says in chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant. Paul, a servant. A servant of who? Of Christ. Not a servant of the world. Not a servant of the pastor, a servant of Christ. If you really are a servant of Christ, you're a servant of his church. The two cannot be separated. You're going to serve his church. You're going to serve ministry and be involved in ministry. You're going to be constantly doing for the Lord. And what is the church to do? The church is not only to make disciples, and sometimes we get stuck on that. We are to make servants of people for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're so involved sometimes making disciples, we forget that we have the responsibility of making servants people who want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Just because somebody is a disciple, someone who's learning, does not mean that they're serving. But see, even while you're learning, you have the ability to do what? Still serve. To still serve. And sometimes we fall short on that because we're so busy trying to teach people and disciple people that people never have the opportunity to serve. And there must be that area where people can also serve and use what they're learning in the task that they're performing. Well, I want to thank you for your time and thank you for being so patient with me here. But the church today needs you. The church today wants your involvement. 
the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to be involved. You say, well, my pastor, my pastor, get pastor out of the picture and see Jesus Christ. Let Jesus deal with his shepherds. Let Jesus deal with the pastor. You pray for him and watch what God does. But you say to the Lord, Lord, I want to work in your church. Lord, I want to work in the ministries of the church. Lord, I want to be part of those ministries that you've ordained for the church. I want to serve you, Lord, with my whole life. And see what God does. Give him the opportunity to intercede into your life and see what he does. God loves you. God loves you. God is transforming you. Not just for you can be a better person in the world. He's transforming you that you might be a servant in his kingdom. In his kingdom. In his kingdom. You are a servant of the Most High God. Can't be more serious about that. You are. God wants to use you. God wants to use you in ministry at his church. And I'm not just talking about singing in the choir, being an usher. In ministry that really go out and touch lives for people. That makes a difference in the people's life. And sometimes that's the hardest ministry because you don't see quick results. And we are a people today that want to see quick and rapid results. It takes time pouring yourself into people and leaving the results up to God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege that you grant us to be part of your church and to minister in and through your church. Help us, Lord, to find what you would have us to do at your church and put our hands to the plow and not look back. Help us to have a heart for your church and that we want to see your church thrive. We want to see your church move forward. We want to see your church develop, Lord, in doing works within the community and seeing people, oh God, touched by the power of your word. Lord, would you work and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. May God keep you. And looking forward to seeing you again next week. And hopefully somehow this message may touch. This message may stir your heart and your mind. Thank you for listening. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.